Hi. Good morning, everyone. Good afternoon, good evening. Uh, uh, of course, your friendly neighborhood, uh, Dr. Robin Evans is here, and today I have uh, two special guests with me. Uh, Rob is uh, with us in spirit, but uh, he's actually on a city council meeting uh, call right now and will be uh, joining us in a little bit. So I take on the mantle of, uh, of, host. of host, of the host with the most, and, uh, and get to introduce uh, our distinguished guest. So of course you've, you've met Todd, uh, and Mark is joining us uh, today. Uh, he's an economist, and so we're gonna be hearing a little bit more about the economy, the economy in the United States and the impact of COVID-19. Uh, really looking forward to hearing your thoughts on that. That's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be excellent. Um, so uh, I thought today, you know, now that I, I, you know, am introducing the topic, I'm hoping that um, uh, I can uh, explain myself a little bit. I've had a lot of thoughts on my heart and on my mind about um, basically how we've been going. And uh, as a physician, I'm in a very unique position. I uh, basically get to come alongside people who are suffering. And uh, in the past couple of weeks, I've had the task of explaining what's been going on and trying to bring a little bit of a scientific perspective on what's happening and on, uh, you know, trying to distill some of the fears that have been going on. Uh, so I thought that this would be a good opportunity for us to um, really define my role a bit more. And, uh, and really, I wanted to chat with you about uh, the concept of, of what, why everyone is afraid. And that is with uh, one of the concepts is uh, two things that are important to know is uh, we've really grown up with the idea that we can explain everything. And that's really the concept of rationalism, using reason to be able to come to a conclusion, to be able to explain the world around us. And that's really what we've been doing here, is we've been trying to explain what's happening so we don't fear. Um, underlying that is empiricism. We've been talking about studies and ways of truth and ways of knowing. And really, this is the assumption that everything can be measured. Um, but in reality, as Christians, we, we actually don't have to do either of these things. And in fact, there are ways of knowing that are outside of reason and outside of what's been measured. One of the best examples is the fact that I love my wife. I love my kids, but it's not something that I can measure. It doesn't make it less true, but it's not something that I can measure. And I really wanted to communicate to you that there is a concept, a Christian concept that we don't actually talk about very much, and that is of lament. And of course, we're in the season of Lent. We're supposed to be giving things up um, in order to draw close to God and get to know him better. And, you know, if you think about it, you know, what we normally would give up for Lent is like a chocolates or, um, uh, you know, maybe sweets. And, and it almost seems ridiculous to say in the context of what's been happening is really, I wanted to communicate the fact that it's okay to lament. Um, it's it's okay to be sad, and it's okay to cry out with a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. And the fact is that this uh, goes on throughout the Bible. Um, if you know, on, and through the Psalms, probably 50% of the Psalms all have the same theme, and that's to lament. So I'm weary with groaning. All night I make my, my bed swim, I drench my 
couch with tears and crying to the point of, of, of drenching. Why do you stand off afar, O Lord? Why do you hide in the times of trouble? This is a real thing. How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever in quarantine? How long am I going to, to, to that you're going to hide your face from me? How long are we going to stay in this way? How long can I survive without my job, without the economics to back with what I normally do? How long are you going to be there? Where are you in this? You know, it, it really accumulates in this, in Psalm 22. This is what Jesus quoted when he was on the cross dying for your sins and mine. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and not hearing me? Oh God, I cry in the daytime, you don't hear. And then the night season, and I'm not silent. But, this is the last bit that I do love. But you are holy. There's a but there that's really, really important. You know, the, the fact is that when I, when I come alongside someone who's had an injury, when I have come alongside someone who has terrible suffering, I've been all around the world and I've treated some of the most horrendous, horrible problems that you could ever imagine. Terrible things that are so awful, I can't even tell you how awful they are. And the truth is that the people who suffer are actually the ones who have a deeper understanding of who God is. They know him in his character. When bad things happen, it's not that he's lording it over us or he's somehow, he's put this pestilence on the nation. That's not up for us to know. What's for us to know is that he's with us in the suffering. He's alongside us. In Isaiah, it says that his name is Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. That's his name. It goes on. John is a great example. In John 14, it says, These things I've spoken to you while being present to you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you all things. That word helper in the Greek is parakletos, which is a, the literal translation is someone who's called alongside it's the image of someone who's walking alongside you as you're going somewhere he's got his arm around you and he's walking alongside you he's with you in the suffering it's not that he's somehow distant off into the wilderness he's he's looking from afar but he's with you so this calls us to what's coming up and starting tomorrow uh, Rob's called for three days of fasting and prayer. And those three days of fasting and prayer from April 1st to the 3rd, that's sundown Wednesday to sundown Friday, the question is, it's okay, do you believe it's okay to lament? It's okay to recognize the fact that this isn't the way it should be, but know that God is with you in it. He's alongside you in it. So uh, I'm hoping that today we can continue to dispel some of these myths, some of these fears, so that we're, we're grounded in truth. Um, in doing so, we can use our reason. We can use empiricism. Um, but there's more to that. And that, in fact, it's God who's crying alongside us. So... Todd, you know, uh, you know I'd, I'd love for you, Todd has, has brought Mark along. 
and I would love for you to maybe introduce Mark a little bit at this time and just give us a little bit of background. How do you guys know each other? And um, I'd just, just love, to, love to hear your story. Well, Mark does, Mark does a lot in the way of uh, um, uh, talking to people about what's going on in the economy. Um, he's the director of the California Economic Forecast in Santa Barbara. Um, his company prepares forecasts and commentary on the regional economics of California. He prepares economic analysis, uh, regional forecasts for Caltrans, companies like Kaiser Permanente, uh, Exxon Mobil, and uh, Southern California Association of Governments. And um, Mark, we've we've probably known each other 15 years, 20 years maybe. Maybe. Uh, um, and <laughs> just from being around and really understanding, uh, or for me wanting to understand, you know, what's next, what's right. the outlook of right. Mark, and and I think that's the area that Mark's been really good at uh, in in taking this marketplace and explaining what's happening, where's it going, and what you can prepare for. Right. And are you going to prepare us for something tonight? Yeah. Information. All right. So you won't be scared. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, yeah, knowledge, knowledge is power. And, uh, yeah, and hopefully we can you know, learn a bit. So right. here, I'll, I'll, I'll give you this. Okay. Um, so, so, Mark, you know, uh, tell us a little bit about what, what you were hoping to, to share with us tonight. Well, real quickly, I do want to uh, kind of give your audience uh, an overview of, uh, of what has happened and, and how it is impacting the California and U.S. economies yeah. and kind of where we see that going and, and for how long do we think it's going to go for. Right. Um, it's not a pretty picture. But at least uh, you won't, uh, you'll understand kind of where we are and probably how bad this is going to get and we'll probably won't get worse than what I'm talking about tonight. Right. Okay. Uh, so, well, please, uh, you know, tell us, tell us a little bit about, you, about your thoughts and, um, yeah, walk us through it. How's, okay. How does that look sure. like? Sure. Let me do that uh, and stop me if, uh, if I go too long. But this is, we, this is some information we put together as of today. It's very timely, uh, and it changes all the time. Mm -hmm. So here's the status. We're in a panic state, you know, at least for the, for, for the economics of this. Mm -hmm. uh, the cases continue to mount in the U.S., but the growth rate does seem to be moderating. It is escalating in Europe, as we know. Uh, New York State seems to be where the epicenter of the problem is right now. But it has abated in South Korea, Singapore, and clearly in China. Now, China's teaching us something. The economy is ramping up. It's slowly, slowly at first, but it's much more quickly now. 93% of recovery of, of all the victims, all the supply chains are being restored. 95% of companies are now back in operation. Apple has reopened all of its stores in China. Hmm. Starbucks has reopened almost everything in Wuhan, which was the epicenter of the problem. So things are coming back after about two months, and hopefully we can... Hmm parody that mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. that's hoping that we should should be now pre-virus in february uh, there just was not much negative news at all affecting the overall 2020 outlook for the u.s or for california the stock market was at record highs the unemployment rate was three and a half percent completely full and the economy was only going to slow down a little bit this year compared to last year mm. okay uncertainty from the u.s trade war was the only thing that was the cloud over the economy but that was starting to go away because we signed an agreement in mid-January to, to on phase one to help the trade situation. But then everything <laughs> changed. You know, we had a lot of momentum uh, yeah, going right. into 2020. In fact, we had a we were gonna have a better year than uh, 
than perhaps last than year. Than 2019. Yeah. Uh -huh. But now we face this shock, okay, and it hit the stock market big time. Uh, hit the securities market, hit the economy, and then the Fed had to cut rates all the way down to zero. All right. And to, yeah. <laughs> Just nuts. Which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, Mark and I did a podcast three weeks ago, and when he ended it, it was like, everything seems like it's going to be going great as we move forward. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. okay. Things change things real change. fast. Okay. okay. So, so what happened? Here's the initial thing. We started with the supply shock. Okay. Right. So all the shipping uh, ships coming from China with containers filled with products for American businesses and yeah. consumers. That all stopped because right. all the factories shut down in China. We weren't getting any of that stuff. Right. And then with the travel bans limited all the tourists coming into the U.S. And that forced the closure of a bunch of businesses. And then that evolved into a demand issue. Interesting. Okay, yeah. so we went from supply not getting stuff to now demand not being able to, to buy stuff. Why? Because the stock market collapses and, oh, my wealth looks bad. I don't know I that don't... I can afford this now. I've lost my job. Uh, I don't have any income. Right. Okay, and then I'm just uncertain about What's going to happen? So I don't want to spend on anything. So, right. it, it, so we get a supply problem. We get a demand problem. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then tourists aren't spending here. Why aren't they spending? Because they're not here. <laughs> <laughs> and even if they were here, everything would be closed anyway. Right. Okay. Okay. So what impacts are we seeing? We're seeing the stock market decline. We lost 30%. We've came back a little bit, but not much. We have no travel, planes less than half full, tumbleweeds blowing through hotel lobbies. And then we have the great shutdown of all public events. I'll talk about that in just a second. Mm -hmm. We have runs on Costco, Target, grocery stores for toilet paper, canned goods, everything, bread, rice. Mm -hmm. We have an empty grocery store shelves. That's what we can see to date. Mm -hmm. Empty stores, empty downtowns, less traffic on the roads, Longer delivery times from Amazon. Why? <laughs> because they're inundated. Yeah, right. right? UPS, there's not enough. Oil prices have tumbled. Oil company stocks are down, right, right along with airline stocks. So those are the things that we're seeing. Mm. We can monitor those things immediately because they're real time, essentially. Mm. Now, here's the shutdown. Now, I put this together because this just shows you the extent of the economic activity that has just been shut completely off. When you see it in a list like that, it really has an impact. Mm -hmm. Here, look at this. NBA season suspended. March Madness canceled. All schools here in this state closed. All high school sporting events suspended. Colleges, universities, online classes only. All amusements closed, like Disneyland, Magic Mountain, everything. Everything closed. New York Broadway shows closed. All theaters closed. Major mm -hmm. League Baseball season delayed. Mm -hmm. Let me go on just a little bit more. The Olympics postponed till next year. Music festivals all canceled or postponed, like Coachella and Stagecoach. All entertainment event venues mostly canceled. Okay, conventions canceled. Conferences canceled or postponed. All travel from Asia, Europe, into the U.S. banned. We got it. All bars, restaurants, <laughs> wineries, breweries, gone. everything. <laughs> so when you see a list like that, it is daunting right. to think what, this, what kind of economic activity this represents and how it's all gone now. Right. It's completely off the map. And then we have shelter in place enacted in two-thirds of the U.S. so far. So that's, that's been a real problem. So who's at risk? Who's at risk as a result of this? This is who's at risk. Let me just put this all up real quick, and you can just look at this yourself. We all know this, mm -hmm. but, but there's a lot of people that work in these areas. They're all at risk, and we're seeing major layoffs right now. Right. 
and you know the jobs that are you know yeah I think everyone knows you know yes absolutely the whole world has come to a halt the apocalypse has has you know happened in economically however this is supposed to be a temporary shutdown now all of those jobs that you that you you know say there are at risk um, do you foresee any other new industries coming out of this or new opportunities or new jobs even that perhaps the economy is is going through growth pains is is actually going to change shift. shift yeah yes we're likely to see some shifts and we'll see some expansions in healthcare right. and uh pandemic alerts and things like that that right. we're going to see right. coming right. forward right Telemedicine. and uh right epidemiology is going to be big going yeah. forward <laughs> yeah, absolutely. there's no doubt there's no doubt all right uh-huh here let me go on here here okay. here's what we're seeing here's new claims that people, when they call up the unemployment office and they go, I'm unemployed, I need to get unemployment insurance to tide me over while I find another job. Mm -hmm. Here, here's what it looks like just last Friday. Look at that soaring number. That's it's, not the edge of the graph. Yeah, that's the, the edge. Yeah, that's, that's the, see, it's the beginning of look the Look at that, graph. that's California. Right. Here, okay. here was the peak during the Great Recession. Mm -hmm. And here where we are now, mm -hmm. we're 10 times as high. Same thing with the U.S., 3.2 right. million claims. There we are. You look, look at the rest of the history going back five years. Mm -hmm. Nothing. So all those people are being laid off, and the unemployment rates are anywhere between 9 and 15% right now. Okay, so we're going to continue to see further declines in people's spending. We're not going to see any travel. Shopping has been suspended. Nobody's buying automobiles or large durable goods. And... Is a recession going to occur? Well, it occurs if this demand just continues to be st stunted like this. Right. And over, over what time period? Well, let's talk about that. I sure. mean, that's, that's a tough one to, uh, to ascertain. We know that uh, we're not going to... Here, let me just... Uh, let, me, let me get to that slide right now. Sure. Okay. Uh, but first of all, before I answer that, Rob, yeah. are, are we seeing any benefits? Okay. Okay, and you right. asked about that. Yeah, or, or, absolutely, you know. yeah. So here, yeah, we're seeing grocery stores do real well. Costco's doing well. Target's right. doing well. Right. Walmart's right. doing real well. Right. You know, and uh, Domino's is doing real well. <laughs> yeah. Pizza delivery. <laughs> yeah. We see loyal, low oil prices. That's a big positive. The right. problem with that is there's no place to go. <laughs> okay? Right. And low oil prices aren't good for the U.S. economy because we're the largest oil producer. Right. We would like to have higher oil prices. Right. It's going to help us out. Amazon's hiring 100,000 people to facilitate the rapid switch to online purchases. 7-Eleven's mm. hiring. Kroger's hiring. CVS. All the pizza places. Healthcare industry's ramping up. Demand for respiratory equipment. Hiring in manufacturing. And then we've got all these stay-at-home workers that are creating record surges in internet demand. So Cox, Comcast, Sonic, all hiring. UPS, Postal Service hiring. Mm. We have these low interest rates that will ultimately help the housing market. Mm. Now, clearly, it's not doing it yet because mm -hmm. you really can't go in and view houses. And no mm -hmm. one's really listing and no mm -hmm. one's really buying. But, mm -hmm. but when we get to recovery point, housing's going to help. Housing's going to help big time, yeah, okay? okay? And in the census, which is unrelated, yeah. is hiring 500,000 people this year for the decennial census. Oh, oh wow. So wow. those okay. are the jobs. So there's a lot so of jobs still going. And then because of the low interest rates, look at the refinance activity that we're seeing. 
okay, in this country. I mean, we've never seen records this high with people refinancing their homes. So that's going to help out their income situations because they're spending less on their mortgage. That's a big deal, okay? I could talk about California too, but here, let me... Yeah. Uh, let me switch to you if uh, you want to get a word in edgewise. Yeah, not at all. I, you know, I, th I think it's I think it's fascinating that um, you know there, those shifts in the market, the positive elements are are coming, and and that you know the world actually looks different after this time. And the question is, how long until we get to that new reality? And right. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm so I'm I talk curious. about that next. Great. All right. Uh, so who's impacted in California? Well, we all know this, all bars, restaurants, everything. Right. We've called the shelter in place. The rest of California was shut in on the 19th, only the critical workforce, okay? So they're doing okay, they're working for the most part. All right, how many people are impacted? Well, take a look at this. 11.8 million jobs are in the essential critical workforce. Mm -hmm. So those people are most likely working. About a million, 0.9, are at, can work from home. So they're probably still employed as well. Mm. Okay, so you add those two together, you get 12.7 million. But the other five million, that's who's at risk. Mm. So we have five million jobs in California that are at risk. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, it's uh, sad to see that. Mm -hmm. Okay, how long the damage? Well, here, here's the answer to your question. The current extent and expected length of the economic damage is driven entirely by mm. when we're gonna contain this, the public health issue, mm. right? Mm. We need to understand from that. So tell me how long before containment, and I'll tell you how uh, and how long we're going to be at home, and I'll give you a reasonable estimate of the damage to the economy. Interesting. Okay, and how long we're going to last. Right. All right. Right now, it's just speculation based on our own assumptions. But uh, if we have an assumption yeah. here, here's here our optimistic yeah. scenario and our pessimistic scenario. So here's job creation in California. If uh, under an optimistic scenario where we only go through April, and then we're called shelter in place is called off. Right. Don't know, that's optimistic. But and then we can ramp up in May and be getting really well traveled and things like that in June. That's optimistic. Right. Pessimistic would be no. We go through April, May, and into June, and then we start ramping Still quarantined up after and that. Then, yeah. And then the uh, and in the summer we start doing well. Right. Okay. So under that situation. Uh, we, uh, well, here, let me just, let me just talk about that yeah. uh, on the unemployment rate. The unemployment rate under the optimistic scenario goes to about 9%, yeah. but under the pessimistic scenario goes beyond that, probably goes to 10, 11, 12 for the second quarter mm. and stays high in the third quarter. But then we start to come down really rapidly. So we're looking at the damage to be most of April, May, and into June under an optimistic scenario. Optimistic, yeah. And under pessimistic, it'll go through June and into July. And, and Todd, when do you, when do you think you, we're going to see changes in the housing market? I think the housing market will be an area that starts coming back you know, pretty quick. There's uh, going to be some pent-up demand. I, right. My big worry is for things like restaurants. When are people going to start feeling uncomfortable about going back out to dinner again or, or mm -hmm. going somewhere where somebody's handling you know, food, mm -hmm. and they just don't know whether or not they have, uh, um, uh, you know, they're not going to re, you know, right. re-get infected. Right. So what do you think about that, Mark? I mean... I think people are going to be so anxious to get out that that that's going to be, that's certainly going to be one of their worries, but I think the whole idea of diversifying what they've been eating and getting back to old restaurants and things like that mm. are going to be a much bigger pull for them. 
Hmm. And besides, we're not going to call hmm. off shelter in place until it looks pretty safe anyway. Right. So uh, I don't think there's going to be much hesitation. I think where the hesitation is going to be uh, is taking a cruise or maybe getting on an airplane. Yeah. Right. But I think getting back to work and maybe going to a restaurant, I don't think, I, I think that's, that's going to happen just like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's good. That's mm -hmm. good to hear. Yeah, and the innovations, you know, certainly with the point of care testing and, you know, being able to actually determine if you're, um, you know, seropositive. So, you know, the, from an immune perspective, if you actually are making antibodies against COVID-19, you're safe. Um, and as such, you know, the actual restrictions are in some ways irrelevant. And, right. of course, that's what we want to get to is a right. point in the population where we can actually test for that. And, and then we get a lot more confidence, a lot quicker because we're able to actually determine if someone is infectious or if they're actually immune. Um, How close are we? I think we're very close. I, the technology is already there. So the, the truth is we're not recreating the wheel anymore. This has already been done even before coronavirus hit. We were able to do these things. So the question is, how quickly can we utilize this economic situation to advance these technologies in order to create your optimistic scenario, really, that's, you know, that's right. and change, change the curve, not just flatten the curve right. from a case perspective, but from an optimism perspective. It, well, it sped a lot of things up. Absolutely, sure. absolutely, yeah. And, and you know, it's been very encouraging from a business perspective to see all of the changes, the regulatory changes that have enabled the free market to move forward quickly. Um, that's, that's, a, that's encouraging. Yes. Well, when you, when uh, the administration uh, calls, you know, sounds the alarm, right. uh, then, you know, a lot of things can happen really R fast. Really and fast. that's exactly yeah. what happened on <laughs> yeah. March 13th when the administration called the great emergency. Right, 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 right. Okay, well, that sounds great. Maybe we'll, uh, Pastor Rob, uh, maybe we'll, we'll ask you, he's, uh, looks like he's all done his meeting and we'll ask him uh, to uh, come up and join us. Let me, let me give us. you the seat. I, uh, right. give us I, a little, I don't want, I won't touch your microphone. Okay. No, hey, Mark. <laughs> hey, Rob, thanks for joining us, man. Sure. So blessed by what you shared with everybody. Um, did, did you have other things you wanted to share? Because I was going to close out. If I was, was going to hope that you could close out. I think this is perfect timing. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and, and I'm going to give Mike a chance to get my slides put together. I just got off a council meeting. Uh, we met remotely. And um, I want to give you some update on numbers. Uh, you didn't do that, I did didn't. you? Yeah. No, I so currently in Ventura County, uh, we have 149 reported cases. I didn't have time to put this on the screen, so I'll read it to you. 149 reported cases. And this is interesting. Someone asked me to touch on it. It was available last night, and I didn't, and I'm going to do it tonight. Uh, the confirmed cases and how uh, folks contracted the virus. So of the 149 confirmed cases, um, eight of them were travel-related. That's how they contracted the virus. 31 were person-to-person -person acquired. 33 were community-acquired. And then 77 are still under investigation. We, we, did, we don't know how they got them. Um, and then in the cities, uh, we have now Thousand Oaks is leading uh, for the cases. We have 27 reported in Thousand Oaks, 24 in Simi Valley, 24 in Camarillo, 23 in Oxnard. And then un unincorporated area of the east is 18. Um, and then... So that, that breaks down to each of the areas. New cases, we have 23. Total cases, again, 149. Recovered cases is 27. 
and ever hospitalized of the 149 cases, only 30 were hospitalized. Uh, the, the, the tragic note, um, there, there are 117 still under quarantine, but they haven't been hospitalized. They're just monitoring them, uh, keeping them away from others. Um, but the tragedy is we've had one more death in the county, so that brings a total up to five. Still, I believe, I, I haven't heard of the fifth case, but I do know the first four were over 70 with comorbidity. I don't know about the fifth case and when I get that information. Now, granted, uh, um, 149 cases reported, and there's been over 3,000 tests now. We've, we, we're, we're increasing our testing. So uh, an increase, substantial increase in testing, yet not a substantial increase in the number of cases reported. So um, we're, we're going to see that number rise because we're testing more and uh, we're, we're monitoring that. Uh, I, I don't have time tonight to go through what I typically do of the numbers across the country, uh, but I wanted, do we have the clicker? May I get that from you right there? Yep, you bet. Thanks. Yep. Um, do, you, do we have the slides ready? Yeah, good. So uh, I, I, you have to struggle through this, Mark. I'm sorry. I'll struggle. <laughs> all right. <laughs> this has nothing to do with economics. This is yeah, all this scriptural. Is no, no. Yeah, this is my pastoral side. So, uh, I, I know that on Sunday I commented that we were going to, if, if folks came into the building, we wouldn't kick them out. I'm going to ask, uh, we're going to approach this in a different manner. Um, I wanted to talk about Palm Sunday that's coming up. And it is a critical, critical uh, event on the Christian calendar. It's one that is um, historically very significant. There are two sacraments in, uh, in, in Christendom, two sacraments. And the reason why I'm pointing this out is because the CDC standards, our First Amendment rights, um, the idea that, you know, uh, marijuana dispensaries would, would be considered essential. Liquor stores are considered essential, but a church isn't considered essential, even if we practice CDC standards. And so that's troublesome to me. But in the same regard, I, I do not want to contribute to an increase in uh, the virus spreading as a result of, of us participating in a worship service. But what we will do, uh, I'm going to ask the folks not to come to our 11 a.m. service. And I'll walk you through this momentarily. But as a body of believers, we have two sacraments. One is baptism and the other is communion. Communion is a sacrament. Uh, many in Christendom, especially the Protestant world, believe that you can't take sacrament, you can't take communion in isolation. It, it's, it's contrary to the way scripture is des described. Let me walk you through it, and I'll do this as briefly as I can because I know we're at 731. Uh, so on this slide here, I want you all to take a look at it. Communion is a sacrament. The Council of Trent defined a sacrament as a visible sign of an invisible grace. A sacrament is a practice instituted by Christ himself. And you can see in Luke twenty-two nineteen, he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And uh, I'm going to go to the next slide just so we have this picture. I, I want to share with you while the slide is up on the screen uh, that the word sacrament, as we, we saw earlier, comes from the Latin sacramentum, which means an oath or a solemn vow. In the mid-16th century, the Council of Trent defined, as I said earlier, sacrament as a visible sign of an invisible grace. The reformers, when they broke away from the Catholic Church, Martin Luther, they called the Reformation, the reformers argued that none of the sacraments apart from baptism and communion were commanded by Christ himself in the Bible but they disagreed on how Jesus is present in the sacraments, especially in the sacrament of communion. 
Whereas Roman Catholics held to transubstantiation, the view that communion elements of bread and wine actually become the real body and blood of Christ. But Martin Luther argued for consubstantiation. He claimed that the elements don't literally become the body and blood of Jesus, but are in and under the elements in a spiritual way. Luther disputed bitterly with Ulrich Zwingli, a Reformation leader from Switzerland who believed that the Lord's Supper is a commemoration of a past event and that the sacrament itself is not a vehicle of grace, but a sign that grace has already been received. At Calvary Chapel, we still hold to this being a sacrament, but not in the sense of the Lutherans or even the Catholics. I wanted to walk you through this so you understand our position on it. This is out of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. The passage says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods, divided them among all as anyone had need. And so you see this idea that they continued steadfastly in this concept of communion. We looked at this last night. It'll all add up at the end when I put it together for you. This is Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Uh, the, the combination of those words in the Greek is very clear. It's a physical assembly, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So we're commanded for physical fellowship. We're also commanded, Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And we have to do it steadfastly when it regards communion, which is a sacrament. Christ ordained it. Um, But let's take a look at 1 Corinthians 11. Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. He says, for I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat and uh, this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And then also take a look at 1 Corinthians 10. Paul writes, the cup of blessing, which we bless Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ, the bread which we break? Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? That word communion in that passage means koinonia, fellowship. We have the fellowship of the blood of Christ. We have the fellowship of the body of Christ. And then we come to uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and 17. Uh, This is cup of the blessing which we bless. Is it not the communion which we read earlier, the bread which we break? Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we though many are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. That's a critical component for us at Calvary Chapel because Christ is the head of the church. And so it's his body. We're all members of that. So the idea is when we take communion together, it's not in the independence of our own homes, but in this idea that we as a fellowship are in agreement and hold one another accountable, as it says in 1 Corinthians, that we're not to take this communion in an unworthy manner. This idea that, that we bring scourge upon one another if we don't walk in that calling, that is a communion of believers. We're in agreement when we partake of communion together. And so this is, this is a sacrament 
to the body of Christ. This is to the Protestants a sacrament. Maybe not along the lines, certainly, of how Catholics feel, and maybe not even along the lines of how Lutherans approach it, or Martin Luther did. But for us at Calvary Chapel, this is a testimony, and we're doing this in remembrance of Christ, and we see the one bread being the one body, and we're all partakers of that. Christ is the head. Some of us are feet, toenails, uh, fingers, eyes, but we all are part of the body of Christ. So with that being said, Palm Sunday being a critical day in the calendar of Christendom, uh, this is when Christ came in uh, triumphantly and they began to say, Hosanna, uh, and they, they began to, in a sense, coronate him. And as he, he came into Jerusalem, they laid down palm fronds, they laid their cloaks down. He came in on a donkey and they began to praise him. And all the Pharisees said, by what authority? You tell them to be silent. Christ said, if, if, even if they remain silent, so ro the rocks will cry out. They later go on to say, by whose authority are, are you doing this? And then he asked them the question. He says, by, by what authority was the baptism of John the Baptist? And they said, we don't know. Because they, they knew that if they said it, it's, it's man's or it's God's, they were in trouble either way. And they avoided that. Christ came in in the authority of the Father. He, he, he came in and immediately as you, as you look at Luke and you look at Matthew, following that triumphal entry as the passage goes on, he instituted the Lord's Supper. Critical component because we're coming into what we call Good Friday, the crucifixion of Christ. This is critical to the body of Christ. So why am I saying all this? I want to honor the Lord and I want to honor Caesar. And I have been laboring over this. And I ask you to pray for wisdom and I, I think we have come up with a solution. The solution is going to be this. We do not want anyone to be compromised and uh, we, we will observe complete CDC standards, but we will consider this as an essential. We're, we're going to be distributing food, so it's the same as a supermarket. There'll be uh, bread to take to shut-ins and food that we're going to provide as available. And we're going to have stanchions put out, six feet distancing. Um, we're only going to allow a certain amount of folks in at a time, but we're going to allow everybody in the body of Christ for... Um, a two-hour period, we're going to continue worship from 1 to 3 p.m. following the live stream. We're going to gear up with all of the coordinating, uh, taping out the lines, uh, stanchioning it off, separating all the chairs. Uh, you won't have to touch a door handle when you come in. You'll touch no one. You'll give no hug, no handshake. You're simply going to come in while the worship music is playing. You'll receive the element, pass by the screen so everyone can see you just as you see me tonight. And we'll fellowship together via live stream, but also from the same loaf, the same body. Everything will be sterile. Uh, we are going to distribute the elements. We'll have gloves on. Anyone helping will be wearing a... Uh, N95, and, and we'll be prepared so that no one is going to be affected. But this is essential to uh, our, our beliefs. And in addition, we're also going to be uh, distributing food. So we're operating in the, in the context legally um, by, by the governor as an essential organization. They may or may, dis may, or may not agree with uh, the fact that we believe communion to be essential, but we are going to partake in a church-wide communion service. You'll be distanced from each other. You'll come and take communion. You'll be handed to you. Let me just walk you through it so you can see it. 
the Palm Sunday uh, live stream will start at 11 a.m. Do not come to service. Did you hear that? Do not come to service for the live stream. And we're, when we finish that, you are welcome to come to the building starting at 1 p.m. And we will conclude at 3 p.m. You're, you're going to be welcome, welcome in through the front door um, and there'll be a separate exit. So everything is just a, a circular. You won't even run into anybody, but we will partake from the same elements. And um, uh, th there'll be folks telling you where to go. We're only going to allow a certain number of folks in the building at a time, similar to what they would do at a Costco or an Albertsons. There'll be a few chairs that you can sit down uh, to be able to enjoy the worship music and then uh, maybe even greet somebody in the camera as you pass by. And then after you exit that seat, we're, we're going to have ushers disinfecting seats and everything. We have it all covered. We are going to, I mean, it, you, you, you know, Dr. Robin, I think you'd be able to operate in here when we're done. <laughs> so we're going to follow that. No handshakes, no hugs, uh, no elbow bumps. Uh, avoid any contact, but you'll see each other. You'll worship from the same music and take from the same elements. And we are going to do this together as a family. So we're still going to honor the Lord. We're still going to honor Caesar and we're still going to enjoy fellowship, and we're still going to enjoy this uh, very critical day in the Christian calendar. And regardless how the world may feel, if we keep food stores open, and we keep liquor stores open, and we keep marijuana dispensaries open, I'm going to just tell you right now, the church is essential, and so is communion. It's the fellowshipping of the saints. We won't compromise anyone in this community but we will encourage uh, the believers and bless them. And so we'll go through that message. And after the conclusion of the message on Palm Sunday, if you're touched by it, and we'll give you an invitation to receive Christ, um, and you want to take your very first communion, I'll tell you what, that'll, that'll be a crazy time to take your first communion <laughs> during the COVID-19 outbreak. Uh, we would welcome you. So if you have any questions, uh, call in this week. Uh, send us an email, a text, any concerns you have. Uh, I, I would strongly request that uh, anyone in the critical age range would stay at home. I just would. We'll bring communion to you from the same loaf. All you have to do is let us know. We'll have volunteers here to bring it to your house, especially if you can't make it down here. We'll bring it to you. And um, I'll, I'll come in with a mask and everything else and bring it to you if you'd like. So just let us know. We're going to make sure everybody in the body here at uh, God Speak has access to the elements. So that's it. Good with that? Absolutely. All right. Blessing. Let's close in prayer. Mark, thank you for coming tonight. You had a long drive from Santa Barbara, but I'll tell you what, the information was really helpful. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. And uh, give, give how folks can access more information, website, uh, maybe a YouTube channel. Tell us about yourself so that the folks can continue to connect with you because this oh. is... And use the microphone too, if you would. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that might help. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, we do regular uh, coronavirus updates uh, on what's happening with the economy, and we are because information is changing so quickly. So go to my website. It's CaliforniaForecast.com, and at the top you'll see COVID nineteen. Click on it, and there's lots of information there that we continue to update. We'll, we'll update it tomorrow on uh, what's going on. So. That's how to stay in touch. I've been checking your website, doing my best to update, adding some of the things you've posted. So grateful for what you do. And uh, folks, thanks for joining us tonight. Let me close in prayer. Lord, thank you for bringing Mark here. And I pray for safe travel for him home. 
And uh, Lord, we thank you for the council acting tonight and the city still being able to operate, um, increase in testings. Um, Lord, we pray there'd be no more fatalities. We pray the folks that are still in the hospital would recover. We pray, Lord, that this virus would end. We pray for victory over this. We thank you, God. And Lord, as we prepare to take communion on Palm Sunday, mindful of the community, but yet also realizing that this is essential for the body of Christ. Lord, let us um, do it in humility, wisely, and that we would honor you and honor Caesar. Um, and Lord, accomplish this sacrament. And so, Lord, we thank you. Bless your people. Uh, we pray strength for the first responders, doctors, nurses, medical workers, everybody involved in this, truck drivers, uh, the folks stocking the food. Lord, everybody, please, we pray your blessing and wisdom uh, for our political leaders. And Lord, that you would speak to them even in their dreams. And if there's anything nefarious out there, Lord, just stifle it. And we just pray that you would be merciful and gracious. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you all. Thank you for joining us. Please email, text, uh, give us a phone call, however you want to do it. If you need any assistance and we're here to help. And if you have any questions, we'll be covering the whole Palm Sunday thing for the rest of the week. And then we're also going to send out an email blast. So everybody will know what we're doing. Don't panic. We'll, we'll have it dialed in. Uh, and there you have it. Thanks for praying for wisdom because I really believe that that was a gift uh, from the Lord. God bless you guys. Good night, everybody.